Hello and welcome back to Absurdity. My name is Ryan Becker and I am joined by my lovely, elegant, and graceful co-host, Henry Johnson. Uh, there's no specific reason why I chose those three words other than I felt like they worked well together. Um, but Well, well Henry, thank you. I figured, what a way to make me feel even more self-conscious about the fact that I've been cleaning for like the last several hours, haven't shaved, and I'm a complete wreck. Yeah, that sounds about But I might still have my curls that everybody was liking. They're like, what do you put in your hair? (laughs) Hey, that and you can still walk. So let's be let's be happy about that too. For at Uh, least another week. Out of the out of the two of us, you can walk better than I can. And there's a specific reason I say that. But hey, if you're new here, uh, we talk about all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And we both as people in ministry, Henry is a currently a full-time pastor, myself as a ministry leader, and um and a obviously podcast host, this kind of serves as another ministry uh, for me. And I'm, I used to pastor full time as well. Uh, for the both of us, this serves as an opportunity for us to hopefully have much needed conversations, use whatever platform, however big or however small, to uh, amplify and build up others and amplify the voices of others as well. So I uh, hope that you enjoy this conversation. And this episode is going to be a little bit shorter today by about half. <laughs> it's going to be 30 minutes. And that is because this week I had a reflare up of, uh, of my old back injury. And uh, from Tuesday to today, I, I'm much better than I was. But on, on Tuesday, I have basically have been bedridden and I'm on bed rest for the next uh, probably four or five days while my, uh, while my nerves and back muscles calm down. And uh, so I'm very limited in how much sitting I can do without being in excruciating pain. And so we've got to be quick about things, but I just wanted to give you guys the update. And that's why Henry can currently walk uh, better than I can. I almost blacked out twice on Tuesday trying to get up just to use the restroom. And the restroom's like five feet from my bed. It was one of the worst experiences I have ever been through. And from a, from like a pain perspective, and it still hurts a lot. Getting out of bed is a chore. Um, but I am, we, we didn't want to put off recording and obviously, uh, Henry's taking a trip for the next three months. So we won't, uh, we won't, we won't be able to well, record three, for the rest three, of October. Three weeks, not three Did months. I say three months? That it's you the said pain. three months. It's this, the pain. Three my friend, weeks. My friend, this is, this isn't basic. This is jump school. <laughs> three weeks. You're going to jump school for three. I don't know why I said three months. That was, I think in my heart, it feels like you're going to be gone for three months. I think Aww. that's what's happening. You and my wife both are like, I don't want you to go. I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) you want me in jail if I don't? (laughs) So, Yes. No, I no. Um, So we're talking about something interesting today that uh, has been making waves, but it's making, I think, now even more waves now that a vote has gone through. But basically, we are talking about... Did the the, vote go through now? That's new information for me. Yeah, so the vote... The vote to authorize a strike. Oh, okay. I thought I thought this they was a response actually... to this morning that they were making progress on the talks. Okay. No. So uh, basically, there has been a brewing controversy uh, within Hollywood and especially within crew members uh, for uh, mi- you know increasing mistreatment or traditional mistreatment of crew members, abuse from crew members, um, or at you know aimed at. Q- uh, crew members and the sacrifices that they have to make just to basically do grunt work is uh, between them and movie producers, movie studios, and uh, anyone who's around assigning them to sets. This has turned into a massive thing with a 
with an Instagram that popped up called IA underscore stories, IA stories. And IA stories is basically anonymous. Um, yeah, anonymous stories that were shared via DM of people on, you know, crew members and some of the horrible things they've experienced. This thing blew, ballooned pretty quickly. It has a hundred and almost 150,000 followers at the time that we're recording this. And it, some of these stories are harrowing. Uh, one person whose daughter committed suicide and he had to, he couldn't tell anyone. Um, he had just gotten home from like a 16 hour day, barely got any sleep, had to make sure his daughter got to a hospital and then would have to frequently text or call the hospital on his bathroom breaks just to get updates. And just a, uh, things like that of regular crew members, uh, being denied lunch on set, being denied, uh, proper lunch breaks or being asked to work 16 to 20 hour days and then not know where you're going to be in the next four hours when you wake up. Uh, it, it's just a, it's just a whole nightmare of things. This is, this eventually led to during talks between the international Alliance of theatrical stage employees or the IATSC or IA for short and the Alliance of motion picture and television producers, AMPTP. Uh, they, as they were talking, uh, and, and in talks, because let's see where, where do I have those notes for what they specifically wanted? Well, they uh, want longer turnarounds. Yeah. Okay. You're going to yeah. get to that. Yep. I got it. So, um, they wanted a 400 million, uh, deficit in their, in pension funded. They wanted, um, better health and without impo imposing premiums or increasing the cost of health coverage. Um, they wanted longer rest periods, uh, 10 hour turnarounds instead of, you know, Four to four eight. to eight, and uh, wage increases, and this uh, basically talks were talks were halted, and the IA ninety percent of the votes uh, when they when they cast a vote the IA is a union a worker union ninety ninety percent of eligible members cast online votes last weekend and ninety nine basically ninety eight ninety nine percent of the votes were in favor of a strike. This means that they have now authorized a strike and they have that on the negotiating table as if you don't work with us, then we will go on strike. We won't work with you. Yeah. Correct. That's essentially what that gives them the space to do. And so it, it's a huge bargaining chip on the table. And this is different from the writer's strike back in 07. I remember that. I used to be really into uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And uh, I remember the Colbert Report. and um daily show those were all suffering from this the but when the writers strike in 2007 happened studios were able to use scripts or they had their own you know they had other people writing but if the ia walks out you know production just doesn't happen everything halts because what are you going to do if you don't have someone to run a camera or run a uh, run a focus or run the i can't remember what the what the term is but you know tracking the focus boom. what do you do without lighting what do you do without a boom yeah. what do you do without all of these different set designers. What do you do with all of the people that actually make a Hollywood set run? So this yeah, is pretty don't massive. Realize just how many people are involved in a production. I mean, there it's are massive. hundreds and hundreds on a set. So, well, you know, if you've seen any Marvel movie, you you know because you've sat through all of the credits, and you can just see all of the names that you'd never pay attention to unless they sound or look funny, and the it is but you really don't get a sense for it until at least i didn't get a, a better sense or appreciation for it. it really until i started thinking about this story and started thinking about just how many people would end up walking away for the sets you know for a set to shut down that's just crazy to me the amount of people 
or the number of people that would be involved. So yeah, this is this is a huge story that's that's breaking right now just with the threat of the of the strike. I know that talks seem to be going better this morning, but I don't this is October 8th that we're recording this. So if there are any updates after, uh, we're not aware of them. Uh, but we also know that costs associated with COVID-19 safety protocols uh, can expand a project's budget by as much as 20%. Uh, and so there's a lot of reasons why uh, movie producers and the AMPTP doesn't want to give in to some of these things because it's going to cost them a lot of money and they're already having to spend a lot more money on health and safety you know, provisions and protections on set. So, well, Like so many things, time is money which is where a lot of the abuse actually came in to start with. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, with Hollywood being so... Th this is one of those things that, in my opinion, I, we see a lot more... We see happen a lot in the corporate world or just you know in regular workforce worlds where the pressure to keep your job and the pressure to be successful in your, in your chosen field or, or career is so much that you start, you know, you either failed to set boundaries at the start or you start overworking and start doing more and more and more because you can't afford to lose the job. So you can't say no, or you, you know, this is a huge opportunity. You can't say no. And well, and to that huge opportunity thing, I, I think when it comes to the television movie industry, you have an additional psychological pressure already because our pop culture our idea is i'm working for a movie i'm working for a television show. I'm, I'm there's a chance if i'm really good at this i might be somebody or i might become yep. known or i might get a chance on screen as an extra or, and and not just you know maybe even a line extra and make that shift so there's there's that almost an additional pressure not just keep my job not just do well but the movie industry as a whole is a very fascinating thing to be in because no matter what you tell yourself that that almost toxicity of 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 pride, of attention, of of value, mm -hmm. all creates a cocktail around that that you just almost abandon yourself in its pursuit, and you will abuse yourself. And then if you abuse yourself, others will easily take advantage and abuse you. Yeah, and this is a. I mean, when when you've got sixty percent of Americans on living paycheck to paycheck, they can't. They, they don't have a thousand dollars in their savings. What what ability do you have to say no? For me, I'm trapped because I have great health insurance and I have a lot of health problems, like today. There, there's not a lot I can I can say no to other than that's protected by law because I need the health insurance. That's just me being honest. And it's not that employers instinct like I think a lot of I think a lot of bosses and employers know this and do whatever they want uh, with that information. I think others don't really don't realize that that's what's happening. And so they just keep asking for you to do something, and then you just keep saying yes. And no one really understands what's going on other than, you know, you just think, why is my boss keep asking me to do more and more? And there's this kind of rule in, in uh, unwritten or unspoken rule of the, you know, only do what you're asked, don't do, don't do more than you're asked, because the next time, not that, now that's the standard. Whatever the extra work you did uh, is, that's now the standard and what's going to be expected of you in the future. So if you overperform too much, then uh, all of a sudden that's the new baseline and you have to keep increasing your work output just to maintain the level of expectations that are placed upon you now by those that you work for. So it's, it's a whole vicious cycle of worker abuse and some of it comes from us as workers doing more and more and saying yes and not saying no and not knowing what we're allowed and what we can say no to. And then others are... are 
by bosses and companies who obviously have to keep their first priorities to their shareholders and to keeping the institution or the organization running. So why would they tell you do less work? Why would that ever happen? Unless the boss just cares about you specifically. It's just, it's just very rare that a company goes, hey, you know what? Everyone should work less. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely something that's never happened at Amazon. No, never. Uh, which is funny because studies have shown that like a four-day work week actually learn, you know, uh, gives everyone or makes everyone more productive. Uh, there's a lot of shifts, a lot of shifting conversation to more and more support for a shorter work week and not four 10-hour days. I'm talking about four eight-hour days, um, which I think there was a study done that showed that like six out of, basically out of an eight-hour workday, only two of those hours are actually done or productive work is being done. The other six hours are them pretending to work or doing less productive work. And that's, that's, uh, talk about waste. That's waste. So, yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so Henry, you actually have some movie set experience and I'd love to hear from you, um, from just, I say this knowing that it's limited and I, I wouldn't necessarily claim you an expert in this, but I'd love to hear your experience being on a film set of, of kind of what you saw. And maybe you were on a better one. I don't actually know because I haven't heard anything from this side of the conversation. So yeah, share. go ahead and share because I'm interested to hear. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, as I said, I am not an expert in the field. I would not say, man, I've worked in Hollywood for a good long while. My, my experience is limited, but ex I mean, to me, it was very exciting and very eye-opening. Uh, for those of you, shameless plug, because I'm really proud of the project. For those of you who've ever heard of the 24th movie, okay, so we had... The 24th movie, you can find it on all of your different streaming services. You can download it. It, it, went, it was produced in 2020, so just before COVID hit. So you can imagine it was supposed to be coming out in like February of 2021 uh, for Black History Month. They were trying to target that way because it was the same Oscar-winning director of Black Klansmen and, and different things like that. And of course, COVID hit, so it ended up not going into the theaters because theaters were shut down and yada, 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 and then eventually went direct to streaming and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but still, a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it. Um, very historical. Anyway, the whole reason I got involved, what the only reason you would be like, well, why in the world is Henry doing anything on a film set? Is because <laughs> it just so happened, uh, the movie is set in the year 1917, which is right about the time America is entering something called the Great War. We now know it is the First World War. And why that is important for this story is simply that World War I tends to be an area that I spend a lot of time researching, collecting, you know, reenacting. I do a lot of stuff in this, in this era, and it's not a very common era for people to be really in-depth researched in our understanding of some mm -hmm. things. And I just know a lot of people. And so this, this movie is set in the historical time frame of an all-black unit that's been drafted into the army. And they're sent to train in the segregated South in Houston, Texas. And there was a lot of historical animosity and problems that happened between an all-black military unit and an all-white police force in segregated Houston, Texas. Mm. So you can already imagine what this kind of movie would be about. Uh, and it led to actually one of the worst massacres in American history, where there was an uprising of these soldiers after being oppressed by the white police force. And it led to several deaths and then the largest military trial in American history and the execution of over 60 of these guys. Wow. Uh, not the police officers, but the, the black soldiers. 
So anyway, go if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch this movie. They do actually a very good job at, at trying to give you the basic understanding of the history, although to be fair from history, the love story they add in this is not true. But go figure, it's Hollywood. They they're like you yeah, need a love story. Yeah, there's got to be something. It's a nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great. Lo- I mean, it's a great love story for what it is. The main actor is Trey Byers from Boardwalk Empire. If anyone knows who that is, great guy, uh, very talented actor. But anyway, this is a real lead up to the point. Of this they needed some technical advisors for the historical piece. And in Hollywood, the big eras where you get a lot of military advising and a lot of historical knowledge is World War II, which is kind of like. Hollywood's bread and butter for war films and and action, that kind of thing, and and Vietnam. Okay, Mm. those are really the two eras. And now they're starting to put a lot of emphasis on getting a lot of technical advisors and a lot of military advisors for, you know, the sandbox, for what we call Afghanistan, Iraq, those conflicts. Some movies are starting to come out in that a lot more because it's a way for America to try and come to terms with what that 20 years of experience has been. Yep. But anyway, there's not really a lot in World War I, and it just so happened that the military advisor for this film knew me. And like so many things in life, it's who you know. And because he knew me, and he knew that World War I is a limited era, and he'd worked with me on not movie projects, and he knew this, he arranged for me to get an interview with the executive producer of the film before they went to filming. And I didn't know that's what it was. And basically, long story short, they hired me as an assistant technical advisor to deal with the the historical accuracy of the film uh, and the actors and the actresses and all that when it came to the military aspects of World War One. And you even have so, an IMDb now, so I'm going to put a link to oh, all you, of this you looked by it the up, way in you? the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to honestly, and I just did, and there you yeah. are, Henry Johnson. Yes, I have an IMDb. I have, I have made it in, in life, right, on this actual Hollywood film. But anyway. So that's, that's my experience. I spent two months on set while trying to work a day job, too. So I feel really sorry for these people that it is their day job because it was almost impossible. And if I didn't work a job that I could be really flexible with my hours, and at that time, I was not full-time in a church for ministry, so it gave me a lot more flexibility. Uh, but they were filming this movie, and I got hired, and so I was a technical advisor. Now, I say that to also say there's kind of my observation, this could be true or not, there's kind of a ranking system in positions on a movie set. And I was given a whole lot more flexibility, and I do believe a lot better treatment than the majority of people that would be on set. I'm just going to preface it by saying that. In my limited experience, I could definitely see that. Because part of my role was I had the ability to go straight to the director or the assistant director and interrupt or make a comment at certain, not interrupt like if they're in the middle of filming, but I could, I had access to the head honchos, okay? I was around the producers. Mm-hmm. I was expected to be certain places on set. For a regular boom mic or sound effects guy or, you know, makeup artist or hairstylists or whatever, they don't get all of that, mm-hmm. right? And they also have a different setup as far as where they go to eat, what kind of food they have set up, because there are perks. I I did realize it is kind of like a hierarchy. There are better perks the further up you go. And the lower you go, the less perks there are, right? But even in that environment, admitting that I was probably in a much more cushy, well, not probably, I was in a much more cushy job on set than a lot of the people I was around. I can see how even through my experience, it would be really easy to be burned out, abused, and just wasted on mm-hmm. set just because of the grueling nature of how these things are put together. And I would go so far as to say, this might be a topic to come back to near the end. I really think almost just like sports, 
Hollywood is another one of those areas where people behind the scenes are being abused for our entertainment, and we don't really give a flying fig because of our voracious appetite for media, especially yep. after COVID, right? Because to you, you want Netflix to work. You want Hulu to work. You want Amazon Prime to You You just want to click and devour media. And that 40 minutes to an hour and a half thing you're watching you know, whether it's a television show or something else, to you, that's 40 minutes. I need more, more, more. That took, you know, it, for TV, it's usually like three to four week shoots at minimum, up to eight when you're blusting through that. And movies can take yep. two to three months. At least, that's not the big blockbuster movies, right? So there is a lot of people that sacrificed a whole lot more than the 40 minutes to an hour and a half you're watching. Mm. And, and, and I think there's a drive by producers and all that to further take advantage of people because they they need to keep up with those of us demanding it. And and I think some of this isn't going to change until it's not just unions demanding change, but the people consuming what the unions are producing that demand change, which is kind of why we're talking about it. Um, but it was many times on the two months I was on set that you would have lunch scheduled at a certain time, and they would blow right through it by a couple hours. Mm. because there was something that needed to be filmed, and you go, well, why can't they just take a break? You, you have to understand the amount of moving pieces that have to come together to get a couple takes of one thing, right? And there's lighting considerations if it's outdoor filming, or there's even indoor filming, and how do they need to backlight this thing or whatnot. There, there is noise factors. If you're filming somewhere, they might have shut down entire blocks of a city to film something. Mm -hmm. And they have a narrow window in which they can film this thing before all the countless tens of thousands of dollars they paid the city and the police department on staff and whatever to shut it down, right? And they've had to go out and if it's a paved road, they had to cover it with dirt because in 1917, you don't have pavement, right? Example, I've seen these kinds of things. They have to go in and take out everything that looks wrong. And then you have to reinstall it and put the traffic lights back in or whatever in time for actual people to go in rush hour through there. Right, or you're filming all night. So there's this big pressure and it and I can see where they can go. Well, you have to understand we're not trying to abuse you, but we gotta get such and such and such done. Yeah. And it, I could see where you could easily not only get delayed with lunch, but just skip it because you might break on one part of the set, but some of these, well, not a lot of productions, like even the one I was on, you have multiple sets running. Okay. You have A team, B team. Right, and they're setting up for stuff, and the director's hopping between sets. Yeah, right. He finishes what he wants on one, and then he goes to the next one. Well, who cares if it's lunch hour? If this is the time your Oscar-winning director can show up on set and film, he is God on a movie set. Yep. Okay. I like to say there are two people that are God on a movie set. Okay, that is the director, and then it is the financer. Okay, so whoever, whatever studio rep is funding this $100 million, $200 million, that's the big blockbusters, but even $40, $50, 60000000 million. Okay, so to be fair, the movie set I was on, I, th I think they had a budget somewhere within 40 to $50 million, which is just astronomical amounts of money to even think about and being that's on not set, even, and that's, and that's flying. And that's not even the normal, like, that's, or that might be the normal, but like, that's not the highest by any stretch of the imagination. But by any stretch, this was considered like, Decent, but cheap for a studio to pump. Yep. I mean, they could have eight or nine 40 to $50 million films going at any time. Right. That's just, but yep. so those two people dictate everything. And so I saw many a time where lunch breaks, forget it. 
And I was on the higher end of the thing, and I would swing in and grab a sandwich and go out. And the food was great. I do want to say that at least what I had access to, the food was a nice perk if I had time to sit down and eat it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they, they would import guys that the culinary unions, hmm, they can do their stuff. Okay. But you'd run through that. You're on time pressures because of extras. Don't even get me started on extras that have to pay into the union, but they're not really unionized and, and yeah. they really get chewed up for low money and the promise of, I might be on screen, right? And, and the time pressures. And again, weekends, you don't film, which on paper sounds great. You're like, cool, I get the weekend off. Well, you better believe, and I think this is actually part of the, the challenge that the unions have brought right now with turnaround times. It's not just they want a 10-hour turnaround instead of an eight. Okay, and what that means is you get eight. A turnaround means how long can you be offset before they expect you back? Yep. Right? So if they say eight hours, it's not you go get eight hours of sleep. It means you have eight hours from the mind they go cut, you know, break, to come back. Well, what if it takes you 40 minutes to put everything away, get in your car, and leave? Good well, luck. tough. That's in, your, that's in your countdown, right? So if it takes you an hour and a half to get to the hotel or wherever, and that's going to take you an hour and a half to get back and set up, you got like five hours of sleep, baby. Yep. It's, if that's it, what you choose to do. And this is where, this is where I think the conversation is, is really important to have. I'm, I'm hoping that we see, I'm hoping that we see some really positive changes coming for the workforce crew. And really, honestly, so links to everything, the 24th, uh, Henry's IMDB, which only has one credit and it's amazing. Uh, we got to get you a photo on there, man. Because um, I, we, I know, because I don't think about that, you know. Yeah, I know, People I know. Are like, I know. man, you need to put it in and work on more movies. And I'm like, the likelihood mm. of me getting asked to work on more movies is mm. if they're World War One themed. Uh, so yes, and the, how many of those have come out? But I'm putting the IA stories one on there too. Some of these, some of these are are sobering, and I would encourage you to take a look. And I think for all of us, a, I think it's a reminder for us to make sure that we have good work-life boundaries uh, and to strengthen the ones that we have to make sure, you know, that we're enforcing them appropriately and making and understanding what is what is too far. There's there's also a rule, an unwritten rule of like if you work too hard and you're too if you work so hard that you're irreplaceable, it also means that you will never get promoted because you are irreplaceable. They need you in that mm -hmm. position because you are the best and there's there's no one else for it and anyone else would do way worse and you know so you you have to do enough but at the at the end of the day these movies these companies these corporations that you know your your company that you work for or the school that you go to all of these organizations are going to keep on going long after you and their first responsibility is to do what it takes to keep themselves running and you get lucky if you find a boss or manager that cares about you beyond that. But the reality is a lot of us are slaving away, giving, our, giving away our lives and giving away what we're passionate about to companies and people that don't really care about us. And I think this is a powerful reminder to A, make sure that we love what we're doing or you know, try our best to find something that we love doing. Understanding that sometimes you have to do something you don't love so that you can eventually or so that you can fund doing something that you do love. But I think this is a very, very powerful reminder for all of us to, to keep that in mind and to employers to pay attention to the stories and, uh, that, you're, that your employees and the people under you are, are living and pay attention to the ways that, man, I, there, there, there are some times where I just feel like if I could just tape my job description to a door uh, and just let them see it or blow it up in a big billboard of like, you know, this is what I've agreed to do for you. 
then I would. It's just, these are the kinds of things that, that we need to be better about. And if you don't have a copy of your job description, you should 100% get that ASAP. But that, that's really what I kind of wanted to, to walk away with today was A, so that people could have some empathy for this. And, and I want to talk about something that, that was going on right now and current, but also B, so that we can, um, so that we can take something meaningful back with us as well into our own lives. So yeah, Henry, as we kind of draw to a close here, any final thoughts that you want to leave us with? The point I was going to say is, especially as Christians, and, and something I want us to walk away is not only think about this, because I know it's so easy, especially, let's be honest, especially when you hear Hollywood in any sentence, you go, those entitled, you know, stuck up, liberal, you know, whatever. We have a tendency to think cushy, they've got everything handed to them on a silver platter, so why should I feel sorry for them all screaming like, I need better benefits? Mm. And you're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Okay, that's because what you think about is the red carpet scene and all the big actors, okay? You're not thinking about the army of people underneath them that are like nobodies that get that big name on the screen for you. Yep. And, and my point is not only have empathy, but we need to think about ethical media choices as Christians. Like, I hear Christians always fight about, I don't like the blood and sex and LGBTQ plots or whatever on screen, and we fight about that. But we don't think about us contributing to the great big media empires that are, I mean, it's just like people now realizing with their clothes or with the products that they use that, I mean, I mean I'd mean, like to put it this way, both indentured servitude and slavery is at the highest rate in this, in, in this world that I think it's been ever. And we don't think about that because we go, well, we fought a civil war, got rid of slavery. Oh, no, we don't do that. Well, no, it's because it's economically driven now, and it's out of sight, out of mind. Yep. Right? And I'm guilty of this, too. I love watching my Netflix, okay? But it takes tens of thousands of people to do what I'm consuming, and often in very bad cases and situations that I wouldn't put up with. So why should I expect it for somebody else just so I can have something to Netflix and chill with, right? You know, so... Yeah. I, I mean, this is just something that it, if you're going to consume this media, you need to be intentionally thinking about what that costs, not just the, the, you know, Disney plus subscription cost. I'm talking about what does it cost people? And I'm not saying, okay, now I should just forswear watching media. Okay. Although it probably wouldn't hurt you to pick up a book every now and then or do something outside. But I'm just saying this is a call that if we're going to consume this, we need to be willing to pay a little bit more at the box office, mm -hmm. to pay a little bit more in a subscription, right? To to receive these services and don't be like, I can't believe I have to pay an extra $2 a month. Okay, folks, <laughs> that $2 a month seems extreme to you. Okay, it's less than the price you're paying for Starbucks or Caribou Coffee or whatever, East, West Coast Divide, whatever. Caribou's better. Anyway, but you know, whatever you pay is far less than these people that are sleeping five hours a night working straight into their Friday nights, doing all sorts of other things to produce the content that you want to watch. Yep. Um, so we need to think ethically. We need to be willing to sacrifice some for these people that are sacrificing a ton. And yes, as in anything, if we had time, could I talk about stuff on set that I knew was union dictated that I kind of rolled my eyes and laughed and like, really, that's dumb. Mm. But also in this particular case, having been on a set, again, not an expert being limited um, I can definitely see the arguments that are being made, particularly in this case. Okay. And I can't speak to the healthcare thing. So I'm going to set that aside because they're wanting better healthcare, less premiums. That sounds like everybody's complaint. And so I, I don't know how good they have it or don't. 
because I didn't have to get on the healthcare plan, so I can't speak to that. But when it comes to turnarounds and work through lunches and work through evening sets on Fridays because they know they can't film Saturday and Sunday, so they work you almost to 11 p.m. on a Friday. Mm. Um, there, there was one time we were on set almost to 1 a.m. on a Saturday morning, wow. which kind of defeats the point. Uh, the point, the, these turnarounds, these working conditions in that way, needing to have lunch, needing to have breaks, I totally see that from my personal... And I was on a great set. I just want to go out of the way to say the staff was great. Uh, I didn't see any like huge cases of like intentional abuse or the, the the director, the art director, the costume and designers that these people were great. I, I can only speak for that movie, but I have nothing bad to say about the people that worked on the 24th. Fantastic people. Um, that being said, I can definitely see where not by their own fault, but just by industry expectations and standards where people could be burned out and hurt and, and not treated quite, not even quite the way we would want. And they wanted to treat people well on that set. Mm. Great staff. So let's just, we just need to think ethically. We need to have empathy. And and I'm fully, for what it's worth, not that my voice seems to matter in this discussion probably, but I'm fully for them dealing with lunch breaks and turnaround times. Those those need to be fixed. And and I've not even worked, worked on these productions of like television series or really streaming series, which is where yeah. all the money's going to now. And the, I've heard those are even worse than film. I believe because it. Because film, they've kind of worked some of those kinks out. But and this stuff, streaming services are all new and kind of in a gray zone. That and it's getting worse because uh, they're coming out of the pandemic when everything was halted and they're trying to make up for lost time. It's a whole mess. A whole mess. So, yeah. well, thank you, Henry. And thank you for sharing your thoughts as well. I, I appreciate it. And to everyone, once again, sorry that this is a shorter episode, but let us know how you feel about it. And what we thought about is cutting out less of the explanation and at the beginning of, you know, briefing everyone on what's going on. Cutting out more of the explanation. Yeah, sorry. Cutting out more of it or having less of it and then giving more time for us to get straight to the content. So if that's a shift that you like, uh, let us know. And we're happy to go shorter if if you feel like, you know, if our listeners feel like that's a that's a good direction to go. So you can either write us an email in the show from the show notes or you can leave us a comment if you're watching on YouTube. So with that, everyone, thank you so much for watching and for listening. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next time.